is Christmas time, and that means welcome back to another episode of I Can Do This All Day. I'm Dan, the part-time adventure. That's Mark, the resident Jedi. Hello there. Today we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of an argument, a little bit of a, a debate, a little bit of a conversation, because one of us believes that Lethal Weapon is the best Christmas movie ever. Um, that person is wrong, and not me. Um, Die Hard is absolutely the best Christmas action movie of all time. But we're going to get into it, and we're going to get into it deep. Do you have anything to say before you get smacked around on uh, pre-recorded video Zoom? I don't think so. Let's just go ahead and jump right into this, and let's start off with our origin story for both of these movies. Now, let the record be known that we don't dislike either of these movies, but we're going to go for some low blows and maybe even get heated. And and you all love arguments anyway. So this is why we tune into reality TV is for people getting into arguments and causing shit. So it's going to be one of those episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's start off with the Resident Jedi's origin of Die Hard. Mark, tell us what you got and, and how this all started with you. Oh, this movie goes way back to the VHS cabinet as a child. It was one of those... One of those movies that I think has been in the family or owned for uh, since the 80s, right? Alongside Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2, the by far better Lethal Weapon. Um, so I, I, I go way back with Die Hard, um, built a love for Bruce Willis, and um, just a great building of the Christmas spirit as well. And it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Towers. I can only agree with that because I saw it on a Facebook meme or Facebook status. So that's that's the only reason I can agree with that. Uh, I do love those. And I love the fact that that has become a, a Christmas thing. Because when it comes to Christmas movies, if you checked out our previous year's episode, we went through our top five Christmas movies and... It's not very conventional on my side. There's a couple different ones that I had. But yeah, Die Hard, still a good movie. I had it on VHS, bootlegs, of course, because we probably got it off of HBO or something like that. And it had that awesome intro where, you know, you know the movie is going to be fire when it has that HBO intro back in the 80s. But I am fighting and will win for Lethal Weapon today. And just as a reminder to all of our viewers who are new... Uh, that is a movie that I had as a Christmas staple, and we would rent the video. We never we never owned that one. We never owned Lethal Weapon, but we rented that every Christmas, and we'd rent it a couple days before Christmas because for any of those kids out there, we used to go to stores to rent videos, not just stream them. And the day of Christmas, the video store was closed. So we would get an extra day of rental to watch that movie again. So that is my Christmas miracle and Christmas gift that just keeps on giving because I still check that out. Uh, I do own it now, but it is something that I, I try to get my kids into. Uh, my oldest was able to watch it last year. He fell asleep the year before, but I'm going to keep on doing it. But love the movie and love the characters. Die Hard's a great one, too, but I think it's time to get into it. So let's get into it right now. Don't pull any punches and listeners, viewers, 
Uh, we want to hear you on the socials on this stuff, too. So we'll have some nice little clips. But we want to hear this during Christmas. What better time of year to argue than the holidays? So, Mark, what is your proposal as to why Die Hard is the better Christmas movie? Your elevator pitch, if you will. Of the two, it's the only one that actually revolves around Christmas and has Christmas as a major uh, impact to the plot and the storyline. Lethal Weapon happens during Christmas, but without the Christmas party, all the right players wouldn't be in the right place and the building wouldn't be empty. Mm, Very interesting. So that's a good one. I like that. I like that. So I will say the same exact thing because I don't think that Christmas really revolves uh, too much with Die Hard, or at least not to the same extent. If not Obviously, for Christmas, Christmas party. If not for Christmas, McLean would have been on the plane to see his kids. It could have been any party, any holiday party. But we're not gonna we're not gonna fight just yet. All right. So don't worry, we're still wrapping our hands up. So we'll we'll still go ahead and go with this. But when it comes to Lethal Weapon, the reason why I believe this is the better Christmas movie is because there's so many different elements of Christmas all throughout. And I'm going to go into the details of everything. But when you start off with what Christmas is all about, to me, Christmas is about a time of family, gifts, fighting, stress, and really just a happy ending at the end of Christmas, I would think. So uh, that is my elevator pitch. And I'm going to get into some details as to why that is the case. But first off... Do you have any friends or family members that are in the boat of whether it's Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? I have a thorough Die Hard contingency. Yeah, I would I would assume so, because that's like the more popular. I, I'm I'm kind of picking the the underdog here because that is more of the popular vote, I would say. So not to say that that's incorrect, but. It's just one of those uh, examples as to once the internet catches on with something, it's like, yep, that is gospel, right? So uh, over my my last week that I was on vacation, I had uh, picked up on a lot of different things. It's like, wow, if social media existed back in the day of, you know, the 80s or 90s, there's so many things that would have caught fire and just would have been like, we would have forgotten about Thomas Edison, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, if all that stuff existed in the 80s. I really genuinely think that because there are so many like bananas and batshit crazy movies, ideas, people that are just out there because of social media. So when it comes to the proposal for why, you know, for me, Lethal Weapon, it's all about that that holiday spirit. Right. So the character dynamics, the messaging, um, really, there's one thing about Christmas that's very consistent and it's family. This revolves all around family. And that actually projected on to the other movies in Lethal Weapon, which is a great continuing story of everything. But think about this. Right. So you have. Martin Riggs. He's a lonely, suicidal guy. That's how we are first introduced to him, right? And he doesn't even see a good reason to live. His his reason in the movie is he stays alive for the job because he loves the job, which is a horseshit reason. Anyone who says that now, 
awful reason to keep going on. <laughs> so if work is the only thing, no. Hey, call me up. I will I will be your friend. I will I will help you through that. Work is not a good reason to just keep on living. Uh let's just let's keep that clear. But um until he befriends uh sort of, right? Uh Murtaugh, who is his partner in the movie. And he even accepts a Christmas dinner with Murtaugh and his family. So it kind of comes full circle. You have this guy and you're all about a hero's journey, a guy that is just struggling to live and and seasonal depression is a th- real thing. And so is just depression and, and uh, that type of, of downside to, to people's uh, view on life. Right. But when Murtaugh's family is so accepting to Riggs, it's just a nice, warm Christmas feeling. Right. And think about it. This is in the time of the eighties. It is an African-American family with some mullet wearing white crazy dude and they become friends and what better way of unity family christmas spirit and christmas miracle than that in this particular movie Uh, but this is all spawning from christmas and probably i would say one of the best christmas miracles in cinema today can you tell me how there's a difference between the events in Die Hard happening on Thanksgiving versus Christmas. No. That's right. Not a Christmas movie. Doesn't matter. For Die Hard, yeah. You just oh. said Die Hard, right? Did I say Die Hard or did I say Lethal Yeah, you Weapon? said Die Oh, Freudian oh. slip. Looks like point number one is going to me. Uh, but yeah, I can't think of any difference between that or even, I don't know, freaking... Like some Easter type of spring break or something. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Yeah, yeah no, it doesn't matter. No. It could, is, if you have a company get together. I was talking yeah. about, so I, I did mean to ask about Lethal Weapon. And I was specifically talking about the points that you outlined. Uh, we're going to get together. We're going to get together as family. We're going to have a meal. This could be Easter. This could be a birthday, which they had in that movie. This could be a Thanksgiving. This could be New Year's. This could be any holiday and, and not Christmas. Christmas is conveniently the backdrop, not the surround. Not the surround. Mm, no, you, you I want to know I, the equivalent to this movie. I'll tell you, Lethal Weapon is a ripoff of It's a Wonderful Life. And It's a Wonderful Life, same thing. It could happen at any time of year when there oh. are just bad things happening to somebody's business and they went on this tirade and then they had to bring it all together. Both those you movies say that not Christmas movies. I don't know. You could say that for any movie then. That's I don't think and so. And for you to say that now you like It's a Wonderful Life, right? I I like Lethal Weapon too. Lethal Weapon too. Um but uh Lethal Weapon as well, but yeah, I I don't think Lethal I don't think It's a Wonderful Life is like a Christmas Christmas movie. I think mm-hmm. that there happens to be a Christmas tree in it and the girl happens to be practicing for a Christmas whatever. But it could happen any time of year, like the the season, not the reason for for it's a wonderful life. It's just mm. a time to reflect. But isn't that specifically for that time of year? Do people really reflect on President's Day? I no, think they go on reflect by mat- more. They I would go say that people mattresses. reflect. I would say people reflect more in the new year in creating resolutions and trying to enter the new year in a better way than they do on Christmas. 
I I disagree. I think Christmas is the catalyst for that and, and kind of going into the Christmas season, which, by the way, also spans out to New Year's and Thanksgiving. So I think we might have a, a differing of opinion on what the Christmas season is, because what is your definition of a Christmas season? I mean, the events leading up to and immediately following Christmas. I'm just saying that the reasons to gather and a lot of the points that are dressed up as Christmas in this movie could happen in many other times of the year. So it doesn't necessarily equate itself to being a holiday movie. It just happens to take place during a holiday. Okay. Well, let's go right into the Christmas atmosphere then. So what are your specific examples as to like what your your Christmas ambiance? Because I, I think atmosphere is a very important very very important uh point for any christmas movie any type of setting and any type of movie in general if that is you know really a, a turning point or at least a driving factor for the plot so are you asking me about lethal weapon or die hard die hard die hard uh without many christmas uh uh drivers there would be no movie right he gets on the flight to fly out to see his kids and wife for christmas because he got an invitation to the Christmas party of which the whole building is decorated. There's a tree. There's all these things. There's a special Christmas gift that comes in handy later in the movie. Um, there's some ho, ho, ho tape that I know is, is very big. And, you know, I, I, I feel like without the Christmasness, you can't die hard. But what is it about the atmosphere itself so you you named a few things so so mass or i'm sorry duct tape with ho 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 i've got a machine gun now on there that's that's christmas that wasn't ho 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 i've got a machine gun now was written on a dead guy with it with a santa hat that is very christmasy in my opinion so that could have uh removed the christmas hat and take off the ho 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 is this christmas again nobody's going to get in the building like that without it being Christmas. Minimal security, only the main players in the building, and uh, nobody's, uh, you know, no cops around. They're all uh, on on leave or whatever. They're they're doing their Christmas thing. Minimal people, except for Carl Winslow. And, uh, yeah. What was his real name of that movie? I could never remember. It was Carl. No. Wasn't it? No. Hmm. Powell. I mean, it was Abe Lincoln. Al Powell. Okay, That's there what... you go. Yeah, no. Powell. Carl Winslow is from Family Matters. How dare you? Carl, Carl How... Winslow is his witness protection name where he still went to serve and protect. Have you heard the theory about uh, he is that same character in Family Matters? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so Carl Winslow fucking shot a kid, and it probably was Steve Urkel, and then that's why he was. <laughs> that's why in <laughs> Die Hard, he's he's suspended or he's on uh on the beat duty. You know, that's oh god, so funny, really funny theory. And he's having another kid. He's bringing his wife home Twinkies, because that's the holiday giving spirit to bring home some Twinkies to the wife. So. And I get that, but in terms of it being a Christmas movie, just because, you know, holiday party, I don't know if that's necessarily a driver. That just happens to be a circumstance. 
You know, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that there's holiday elements to the movie, but I'm disagreeing with the fact that like, oh, uh, this is a, a better Christmas movie and this provides better Christmas Christmas atmosphere because it just happens to be a very well-written plot point of as to why those people are are not in the building. Uh, in the building, all the people have to mm-hmm. fly in or McLean has to fly in, stuff like that. I also think that it follows a very very um standard christmas trope of the individual's retribution um through experience which is you know very dickens-esque it's it's like a christmas carol mclean comes in angry and frustrated and kind of not happy to see his wife and then after she almost gets dragged out of a window by a killer uh he's very happy and they go home together in the back of a limo and that's a that's a Christmas, you know, a holiday type of ending to a movie. Like even a, a Christmas romantic uh, rom-com movie. And you know right? where like, they're going? They're going to the Christmas tree, bro. With the big teddy bear. Are they? I mean, I'm assuming there's a Christmas tree at their house. There's a lot of news crews at their house, but there's also a Christmas tree. And the obviously illegal nanny that got threatened by the fucking guy who got punched in the face what better what better element to a christmas movie than talking about illegals right i uh, mean so i technically jesus was an illegal alien uh maybe maybe i think we have to make sure that as we go through this it's not the circumstance of christmas it's how christmas relates to the movie and does it really expand upon the season of Christmas. That's my opinion. Uh, so it is really cool that, yeah, you got the holiday party. That That is a good setting. That, that makes sense. Um, but I would say that, you know, it, it's not like a huge thing is like, oh, this is why the victory Christmas party. This is why it's a, a better Christmas movie. Like, I mean, who uh, gives a better Christmas gift than the Christmas gift in Die Hard? I would say the gift of life is a better gifts i i think that his wife also gets the gift of life along with the rolex that eventually goes out the window with hans gruber yeah r.i.p yeah. alan rickman yeah such a oh god probably one of my favorite actors that was a villain a wizard and also, oh gosh, Metatron, right? He was Metatron in Dogma. Like, so good. Such an a angel. good actor. He's an angel. Oh, man. Awesome. He was an unfaithful or a almost unfaithful dad in another Christmas movie, Love Actually. All right. Well, when it comes to the, the overall Christmas atmosphere, so that uh, I will say that I'm, I'm going to give you one, right? So one of the pieces of evidence, in my opinion, for Die Hard is you have Christmas and Hollis uh as a song in the movie yeah i'm not mistaken so that's that's a great that's a great addition to everything and the fact that it is not just not just a, a normal christmas song but a very popular christmas song by a great hip-hop group of the day so um but when it comes to lethal weapon dude this thing also creates like a super festive setting so you've got uh the movie opening up to rocking around the Christmas tree. And and that is number one, it's just a fun song, right? They had it in so many different movies, but the movie starts off with that song and then a serious turn 
of a woman who's naked that just jumps out a window right which is a very like serious event in the movie but she fell it's also like that's for sure it's it's a very interesting take as to like if you didn't know anything about the movie going into it you're like what the hell is this all about i thought this was going to be a nice little festive christmas movie it started off all happy nimbly bimbly and everything but opens up to a great song would you agree that rocking around the christmas tree is probably one of the best christmas songs out there i mean it's one of the would you agree i'm not saying it's the best i'm not saying it's the best how about that ode to joy is a is a wonderful christmas song i wouldn't say it's a christmas song i would say that's a new year's song ode to joy yeah are we thinking of the same song the song when terrence gilliard opens the vault that's a christmas song for a church choir if i ever heard one i i think i just i don't think of christmas when i hear that song i think of new year's oh i not to say that it's not i'm not saying it's not a christmas song i just think it's I associate it with New Year's as opposed to yeah. Christmas itself. Because I think, you know, the not to say that's not a classic, but the regular staples of everything, you know, like that is like a definitely church choir singing around the holidays. But I associate it more with New Year just because of the fact that in that movie, while watching that movie, when they open up the vault, I don't think of it like, oh, my God, this is like Christmas morning. Like, no, this is like. New Year's, new beginnings, like, holy shit, we're going to go buy an island and just, you know, uh, we're going to find this guy named Jeff Epstein and we're going to party there. That's what it oh. sounds like. For those I mean, that evil, was their Christmas miracle. He, he, <laughs> Han's got a Christmas miracle. It's no, the FBI. <laughs> but uh, speaking of, of Christmas songs, what about the king of rock and roll with I'll Be Home for Christmas, Elvis Presley? I mean, come on. How can you... How can you get better than that? I mean, you can't. You, so, I mean, Mariah Carey's proved that. But but in this movie, the king of rock and roll singing I'll Be Home for Christmas definitely adds to that holiday atmosphere for sure. I mean, do you want to go Christmas song for Christmas song on these? Because I've got Let It Snow. I've got Christmas and Hollis that you mentioned. I've got Winter Wonderland. We argued on Ode to Joy. I've got some Jingle Bells um, sung by Bruce Willis. Yeah, a, that should almost screen. be a negative. That should I mean, be a negative for it. I mean, second best movie that Bruce Willis sings in. Are there only two? Because if there's only two, then uh, I, I don't think that Bruce Willis did a good enough job trying to pimp his music career. I'm sure he's saying in other places, but <laughs> who can forget Hudson Hawk? What a great movie. I love it. And the closing credits to this movie straight up let it snow as they're driving away closing scene with snow yeah yeah for sure was there snow in lethal weapon um oh yeah there was so much fucking snow in multiple scenes and i'm not talking about that shit that falls from the sky i'm talking about the real snow cocaine baby yeah cocaine screams christmas to me too exactly what is more <laughs> more common at Christmas. What is more common at Christmas than cocaine? That is Santa's snow. That is the adult snow. Uh, not this shit that gets all wet and, you know, you can roll it up into a ball. And yeah, no, I- I'm talking about real Make true adult Christmas from it and things. Yeah, cocaine. No. Oh, man. So much snow. So much snow. I have it written on my outline notes. So much snow. Cocaine. That's right. 
Oh, geez. So the the scene at the Christmas tree lot, you know, like that's another thing too. Like cocaine at the at the tree lot. They're they're you know Riggs is trying to do the the drug bust, uh, but they're at a Christmas tree lot, which is kind of funny. And he even talks about getting a tree. And the villain, uh, you know, the the guy who ends up getting shot or whatever, is like, you know, what you want to buy a tree. Like the funny thing is, when I was younger. And they were doing the drug deal. I totally knew what the drugs were. And then when he said, you want to buy a tree, any normal person would think like, yeah, he wants to buy a tree off the lot. I actually thought the tree was like some other type of code word for like a big ass fucking duffel bag of cocaine. That's what I thought it was. Mm. And the ripe old age of like eight years old, seven years old. I watched this movie young. So this is where like my head is. And for all those people that don't know much about me, I was raised on this particular movie around the holidays. But Christmas uh, Christmas tree lot, right? The Murtaugh home, just riddled with Christmas stuff. And also, you have, just like the notes on the duct tape in Die Hard, uh, it's funny that there's a lot of very sim- uh, a lot of good similarities with this, but there was a note to the bad guys uh, in that Christmas scene and uh, as they plow the car through the Murtaugh home. Yeah, I mean, another Christmas setting with Christmas trees, Christmas lights, everything. Fight scene in the front yard. You've got Christmas decorations as they're falling over trying to beat the shit out of each other. Gary Busey and um, Mel Gibson fighting to the death and the cops are cool with it. Just like Christmas. It's just like, Hey, it's the holidays. Just let him, let them have it at each other. You know, that's, it's like, it's okay to fight during Christmas time. You have to go ahead and do it. And I think that's just kind of uh at least in my opinion, uh, people don't fight as much as they do during the holidays. Right. And I think this is just my critical analysis of it. Interpretation. I think this is just a a nice stress reliever for a lot of people where the people that do fight, some of them do end up in fisticuffs, but this is just one of those things that people can watch this like, yeah, I wish I could take down Uncle Frank or or whoever, the you know, someone that they just dislike and like, oh, Cousin Billy, I want to take him down at, at Christmas time. It's just a, to me, it's just a nice stress reliever that people can go ahead and watch this and just be like, yeah, cool. I wish I could put someone in an arm bar over the holidays and just end the end the fight like that. But yeah, that's it, man. That's I think. Oh, one more, one more. Mm-hmm. So uh, a drink of choice during the holidays happens to be eggnog, right? So eggnog, Michael Hunsaker drinking eggnog in the privacy and comfort of his own home, and then just like in real life, when you're drinking eggnog, you get shot in the chest and then you die. Wow. So, Brutally shot in the chest. Uh, very similar to drinking eggnog just in the regular, because I think that drink is gross and disgusting. Mm. So the, there we I, go. You uh, you just don't appreciate a good nog, apparently. Uh, I, I've got Snog, one more. Yes. Nog, no. I've got, I've got one more four, and I think that it completely trumps all of your argument, is that John is pursuing Christmas both by name and by feeling, because his wife's name is what holly janeiro holly when else do you see holly but at christmas this movie is all about saving holly and the joy of christmas i don't know man i had a holly bush back in my home in uh tinley park tinley park illinois shout out 
But uh, yeah, I had a holly bush in my front yard for years. Looked at it every day. Summer, there. Winter, there. Fall. And you know what? You yeah. had Christmas in your heart all year long. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the Christmas atmosphere is, there's plenty of it. And there definitely is a lot of Christmas atmosphere in uh, Die Hard, for sure. But I think it's just a little bit more versatile. And in my opinion, in terms of the analysis of things and also just trying to relate to uh, holidays that are not typical to people, because not everyone listens to Christmas music. Not everyone puts up a tree, but everyone fights. Not everyone does cocaine, but a lot of people do cocaine out there and, and people drink eggnog out there. So I don't know. It's, it's just nice to be able to see some of those other concepts as opposed to just here you go. I'm going to put on a Christmas song and boom, that's it. Hey, get in the Christmas spirit, right? I don't know. It, it just doesn't. It, it's not the same to me. It's very much like popular music in movies. I hate popular music in movies unless it makes sense for driving the story or setting the mood. And in Die Hard, I don't know if it really sets the mood, right? I think it just it's just a reminder of, hey, it's Christmas time, by the way which is fine. I'm okay with that, but not to that same degree. I do like the use of music throughout Lethal Weapon to where there's personality to the people, the villains, the protagonists, and not just Christmas song, Christmas song, Christmas song. This isn't a Christmas music video with action and machine guns, although that would be pretty awesome, which that was. But <laughs> yeah, just a little bit different. A little bit different in my opinion. I don't know. I would say that the stats don't lie and more people in 2022 watched Die Hard around Christmas than watched Christmas Vacation, according to Screen Crush. So I would say, with, with Lethal Weapon not being on the list, that Die Hard wins. The well, people for... have spoken. Well, maybe they just haven't discovered it yet. And and I'll be honest with you. Yeah, no. You have it's, the people that, that as are as me. A lot of people haven't discovered it. That that people are like the people that don't watch um, a lot of Mel Gibson movies for for whatever particular reasons. Um, yeah, I think that has something to do with it as well. So I don't know. That's just uh, yeah, that's just my my thought process on that. And as for Christmas Vacation, if I remember correctly. I didn't really like that movie as much and understand it, why the hype was so much built around it and everything. Uh, oh, that movie I watched just it gets, for the podcast last year. That movie gets so much better as you get older and you get some of the jokes even more and you have a boss that you want, want right there so you can tell him off to his face and, you know, you get signed up for Jelly of the Month. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of the genre of like the holiday season, like, so how do you think that Die Hard kind of merged some of the action, humor and, and Christmas in general? We talked about the music. Um, we talked about, you know, like the the little subtle quips of, you know, John McClane going after Holly. OK, whatever. Uh, but yeah, what what are your thoughts on on that? And, and why, do you have any examples or anything else that as to why people really flock towards die hard during the holidays. I just think that it's such a, such an everyman story of what you'll do to spend time with your family on Christmas. 
what you'll put yourself through. You'll run through broken glass. You'll climb through ventilation ducts. You'll get a machine gun from a guy with, uh, you know, small feet. Uh, you do all of these things, all to get back to Holly and your kids for Christmas. It's funny that you say the everyday man, because according to the movie, McLean's not a good husband. Right. No. He's just he's a, a cop first. And yet that's the. So are you saying that the every everyday man uh, is just not a good husband or a good father? I mean, the divorce rates in the country would actually support that argument, I think. And I think that most families, um, you know, uh, I would say that both parents become or are put into a better mood or just have a better overall um, disposition around the holidays. Everybody is trying to be jolly and chase Holly for the holidays. Hmm. Well, he didn't, uh, he, or he did say that, you know, like it's the, the, every, every man is uh, a bad father, bad husband. So <laughs> guess yay. Christmas. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yay. A- any other humor in there that you think that was integrated really well with the, uh, the Christmas theme? You know, I do think they integrated your favorite um, Christmas tradition very well as well. Um, they watch Lethal Weapon also. No, they the the the, the main protagonist Boogie Booby uh, Holly's side hustle Rolex man was definitely getting coked out of his brain uh, in his office when he met John. So they as well had multiple kinds of snow in Die Hard. So for the record, too, um, I don't even know where to find cocaine all right so no never nor am i looking for it i'm good yeah i'm i don't want anyone flooding my dms not interested never touch this stuff nor do i have an interest uh i'd like to stay alive so thank you very much very much uh very proud to say you know i was a dare i was a dare graduate so thank you just say no to drugs kids yes exactly adults and people yeah now, granted, it is a popular pastime for a lot of actors, musicians, uh, people in the workforce. Uh, but yeah, not for me. I am. Uh, I'd like to say that I'm an exception to the rule because my big vice is just food. So you you put down like a prime rib in front of me over cocaine. I'm going for the prime rib every single time, every time. I'll take b- b- beef over over uh, over blow all day. <laughs> what if okay <laughs> sidebar sidebar uh lifetime supply of cranberries <laughs> excuse me all right lifetime supply of cranberries or scarface comical amount of cocaine cranberries yeah i wanted to pick <laughs> something shitty so you might be tempted to go with a comical pile of cocaine I mean, (laughs) we know the answer. We know the answer. We'll just leave it at that. I mean, (laughs) obviously the Cranberries, because they're a wonderful band. Mm. R.I.P. Dolores Reardon. Mm. Dolores or Reardon. Sorry. Um, Okay. So when it comes to like the the other aspects of everything. uh, So I don't know. I just think that that Lethal Weapon brings uh that same type of humor um and and also the i mean the action like i said it's it's in that 
that realm of like, yeah, Christmas movies don't have a lot of action in it. Right. But at the same time, both of these movies uh, added a different element to the holiday season, in my opinion. Now, I will say that when it comes to this movie with Lethal Weapon, it has more diverse action. I believe it has more shots fired. I believe it has um, more different elements and stages and depth to the elements of the the wrongdoing and evil crime stuff that's going on. I mean, you have the Shadow Corporation in there, um, military special forces, cops. There's so many different levels to the unfolding of what's really going on. Drugs, prostitution, pornography. This is all in Lethal Weapon. Um, now, granted, you have... It's also, it's also all in the movie Dragnet. So okay. I, I, I don't know where you're going. Please go ahead. Also, no, it's just, I'm just saying movie. it's more versatile. Great more, movie. I don't know where I had to mention from. Doesn't make any sense because Dan Aykroyd sucks and that movie sucks. Whatever. Tom Hanks is in that movie and you can't hate Tom Hanks because America will hate you. No, I can hate Tom Hanks. I can absolutely hate Tom Hanks. No problem. Um, but yeah, the the versatility of everything that goes around in this movie far surpasses Die Hard. Now, Die Hard's great for action. I will still say that that's a better action movie than what a lot of people call action movies now. But yeah, for sure, you can't uh, you can't really dispute the fact that there's so much different types of martial arts, gunplay. Uh, I mean, this is something where specifically you have probably that whole stress of the holidays is so manic and so ridiculous that, yeah, I think you need a plethora of guns, a plethora of hand-to-hand combat, people being thrown uh, or shot into windows, thrown out of doors, everything. This all happens in this movie. Action, top-notch. And with the holiday season being as hectic as it is, I think the hectic action is a perfect complement to it. And that's why it's such a good addition to what my opinion is, is the best holiday movie. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, jujitsu, a movie does not make for a holiday purpose. I don't know. Boxing. There is just regular street fighting. There is so many different things. And the fact that you had Horian Gracie as one of the uh, fight consultants. I don't know if he was necessarily a choreographer in the movie, but anyone who is an MMA fan or a UFC fan, Horian Gracie from the Gracie family. Mel Gibson put Gary Busey in an arm bar in a triangle in this movie before anyone knew what the UFC was. So really good props to them. Um, I wasn't really aware of the fact that the Gracie family was involved in this until my later years in life when I started becoming interested in MMA. So, yeah, I mean, MMA and uh, jujitsu, probably one of the best forms of self-defense. Yeah, I don't know. Best form of self-defense along with a great holiday movie. I think we got a winner. I mean, I'm just saying of all of the fights Nobody lands the killing blow like John McClane dropping homeboy out a window. No bad guy gets hit harder than Hans Gruber by the pavement. Um, I would say in the opening scene, Michael Hansacker's daughter 
hits that car in stunning fashion. And you see it. You don't see Hans Gruber fall. You see the whole you see it from multiple angles. You see it you from multiple angles. You don't see him hit the pavement. Uh that's because they spared the kids. Well, the kids you know saw what? enough murder and writing things in blood and uh uh, shooting people in the feet, blowing off toes during the, the holidays things. with lethal weapon. You should be able to see everything. And in the opening scene, she hits that car in devastating fashion. So, yeah, you just said no one hits harder. Yeah, right off the bat, lethal weapon. I mean, I would disagree argument. based on the height and the. Did the you see? Did difference. you see him fall? Yeah. Did you see him hit? I should say, did you see him hit? Nope. Nope. So you're telling me that there could have been another Die Hard movie because Hans survived? Did Hans you see hit him pool? hit the ground? I'm stating the obvious here. Did you see him hit the ground? No. Your statement of no one got hit harder than Hans Gruber hitting the pavement, we don't know. We don't even know what he fell on. Sorry. The fact that you deny that Hans Gruber died. Even no, I'm not brother... denying the fact that he died. I'm saying you get to see what happens. So you're just you cannot mad... dispute. That's an off-screen death. That's a cheap-ass move. Off-screen death. That is far from an off-screen death. That is an off-screen death. By an definition, off-screen death is off-screen changing death. scenes and saying, oh, yeah, he died. Sorry. Off-screen death. Did you see him die on screen? Yes. No. I will say yes. Uh, no, no, no. Mm. Show me the exact scene where he hits the pavement and he's dead. And then I will say that that you're you're I think a I think that, that you're wrong. Aspect. And I think that we just need to leave it up to the listeners to tell you you're wrong. That Hans no, the, the question off screen death. The only question you should ask yourselves is did you see Hans Gruber hit the pavement? Or anything? And the answer is no. We all know the answer. There's no director's cut. There's no deleted scene. There is nothing. So that right there, the ending scene for the villain is pale in comparison to now. It's still a great scene. And and the story behind that is where, you know, Alan Rickman wasn't told that they were letting him go. And he has that great facial expression. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Wonderful. I'm just simply stating the fact that you are incorrect in your statement and Lethal Weapon trumped that in the very first scene of the movie. Woman takes a swan dive out of the balcony, crushes a car, and you see it happen. Awesome. Awesome effect. Awesome action. Awesome sequence. Kudos to the stuntmen and the cinematographers that were able to make that happen. Now, when it comes to Die Hard... Great cinematic effect of Hans Gruber falling, and there's so many awesome memes of that. Uh, but no, you don't you don't get to see him die. So I, I would say that uh, I I take that just because you made the argument, and I just simply corrected you and proved you wrong on it. All right. So other memorable memorable scenes in this. So iconic moments and characters. Okay, uh, let's start off with Die Hard. So how many times? When traveling, have you taken your shocks, socks and shoes off when you've gotten a hotel room and rubbed your toes in the, in, the, in the carpet? Never. 
Never. Never. I feel like I feel like everybody's tried that after watching this movie. Uh, no, because you don't want to take your socks off in a hotel room because that carpet is freaking gross. Mm. That's why. <laughs> if you've <laughs> and you should know this, uh, hotel carpet disgusting, and your your feet are probably dirtier than John McClane's uh, after running up different floors because that's how gross hotel carpet is. Always wear flip flops, shower shoes, shoes socks whatever because hotel carpet disgusting now i'm not saying for the great establishments that i stay at but yeah that's the hundred percent the truth dirty carpet now i'm never gonna wiggle my toes in the carpet and just be like oh this feels nice like no this feels like sepsis and hiv and and just disgustingness and like everyone who just ugh, ugh, god hotel carpet no not for bare feet I think you have I'm problems. Sorry. I think I you guess should seek some help. I would venture to say that I am not alone on this one. Whenever I see people walking barefoot in hotel like hallways and stuff, I'm like, ugh, God, you just don't care about your life. I don't know. <laughs> you just don't care about your life. <laughs> I don't think I would walk barefoot in the hallway, but um, yeah. But to answer, in, in all seriousness, to answer your question, I've never. Never Maybe done. That. That's why you're so stressed out all the time and want to argue. I don't argue. I just prove you wrong. There's a difference. Also, um, how awesome is the limo driver in this? And how often do you hope that you get a cool uh, uh, driver whenever you order some sort of car service that's just as loyal and as awesome as that guy? Argyle was cool, although really strange, right? Like, what? What an awful businessman where he's like, yeah, I'll stay the entire time just in case things go south. Just call me like, right? Like that doesn't make sense. Wouldn't he get fired from his job or wouldn't something happen? Like, no, he don't own the company. He's just driving and McLean ain't paying the bill. Nakatomi is. So he's just racking them hours, making that money, bro. Okay. I guess. Overtime, double time on Christmas. Yeah, but he could have just left. And he still would have gotten paid the same rate. Not if they had a tracker in his limo. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, th- that was just like always a weird thing for me. It's like, it's convenient that he stayed there. It's And I liked him as a character. Um, he was also in head of the class. So uh, anyone who used to watch that TV show. But yeah, it, it is. Uh, it always kind of puzzled me. It's like, why would he stay there for at least how many hours do you think he was there? Like three, four. Something like that. In a car? In a garage? In a limo, chilling, watching a TV, having a few drinks, making some calls. My dude's trying to set up, uh, he's trying to get the good karma from setting up McLean's (laughs) booty call to set up his own special Christmas present. But to to be truthful, would you stay in a limo, even if it's a limo, and, and really limos aren't that great, unless it was like a stretch Hummer or something like that. Are limos really that cool to stay in for like three to four hours? And that's just like, I think that's a conservative amount of time because I'm sure it was more than four hours. I, uh, I don't know what I would do in that situation because I don't think I'd ever drive a limo. So I don't know. Possible, like always like skirting around the question. I, like, you know, the obvious answer is no. The obvious answer is no. Would you ever sit in a car for three to four hours? 
Yeah. Of your own free will. Not even yes. getting out. What's what you have to give me a situation. Like, am I going to go sit in my car in my garage right now? No, you're in a you're in a parking garage in a building and you're there indefinitely. Do you am stay in the car for three to, to four there, hours? And is it part of my job? Um, That's not part of your job. You voluntarily said that you would stay. That dude's getting paid to stay there. Anyways, would you leave the car? After three calls, to four hours. I gotta be there. He doesn't have a cell phone. Dude's calling the phone in the limo. Oh, man. I'm right by the phone in the limo. The truth is, people will need to go to the bathroom after a certain amount of time, especially drinking in a limo. So no, you My wouldn't stay gonna, in it's there. It's a parking garage. Worst people have peed in the parking garage. Oh, That's where you know. shouldn't be walking barefoot. You shouldn't be walking barefoot in the parking garage because somebody has pee-peed in the parking garage. <laughs> okay. All right. So go, going back on to, to everything else, because you can't just answer the question. You have to say, I told no. you I would be getting paid chilling in a limo. You're there voluntarily. For, dude, You're there voluntarily. I, I just it's gave you the scenario. It's not voluntarily. Hmm. Maybe dude's trying to just get a big cash tip. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. And he's got to buy his girl a Christmas present. And the only way he's going to do it is with a fat tip from McLean. Which doesn't make any sense because he doesn't know when McLean's leaving anyways. So it's he's trying to set something up, and yet he doesn't know when he's able to leave. I mean, maybe dude's alone on Christmas. Doesn't got a family. His girl left him. You don't know what's going on. Maybe that limo is the happiest place in the world for him. It's his escape. Yeah. Don't judge Argyle. It's, no, it's not his escape because he can't leave it. That's why. <laughs> All right. So what else? What else we got? So you got the the limo driver that never leaves his limo. Uh, he stays in there voluntarily. What other memorable characters do you have in there? I, I mean, I think that it it all circles around the two majors, right? And 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 I don't think you can give enough props to Alan Rickman about this movie that he does both uh, an American accent and his normal speaking voice in this movie. Um, he plays the the scared guy, uh, uh, and he tries to uh, get close to McLean and gets the gun without bullets. Um, the range of Alan Rickman in this film. Um, this film literally launched Alan Rickman both out of window and his great career. Agreed, Alan Rickman, great, fantastic, uh, and and I think for him as like the, I wouldn't even say the ultimate bad guy, but. Just the most charismatic, I would say, uh, or at least what has to be like top five overall for sure. Bad guys. So it's yeah, for sure. I would say, but yeah, I wouldn't, props I wouldn't to, disagree. Props to Alan Rickman. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel, I feel the same way. Um, I, I, I also love that Reginald Val Johnson is the cop in this for the reasons that you already outlined. Right. Um, and then you get, the the principal from uh the breakfast club yelling at him it's like <laughs> all of my childhood is is present in this movie um in in such a great way in that's with the bull, such a great you way. get the horns that's it that's it and that's what they got and um one of the greatest background characters of all time uh also in lethal weapon the one actor that is in both movies you know who it is. 
I just want to hear you pronounce the name. Al Leong. God, Al. Oh, such a great. And the funniest part in that movie for me is he's there with his fucking uh, machine gun. And then he sees the Nestle Crunch Bar. <laughs> he's like double takes. And then he starts eating it like what? Such a good comedic <laughs> element in that movie. And that guy was in everything. He was uh, everything. Including Lethal Weapon. Big Trouble in Little China. Um, uh, um, oh, so many, so many. Bill and Ted. He was Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted. He was in Ninja Turtles, right? I don't know. Was he in Ninja Turtles? I don't remember him being in Ninja Turtles. I don't oh. know, maybe. But either way, like such a like he's an iconic guy from the eighties. He was like the ultimate henchman in the eighties. Always there. And always had like cool stuff to do or funny stuff to do. Right. So a very memorable performance. So I agree. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. But I think those for me are are just those the, the characters that just keep on giving. And this also, I I think it's very arguable now in you know, 2023 that launched a franchise that arguably is better. Ooh, I think everything up to three was okay or good. Good. Very good. I did not like anything past three. After Die Hard with with the Vengeance, I was just like, with Die Hard, I didn't like anything past two. Or Lethal Weapon. I didn't like anything past two. Hmm. Okay. Chris Rock was terrible as oh, an addition I, to the Lethal Weapon movies. I, I liked I liked him, and I, I thought that was good. I, I thought, I thought that, the Die that Hard also movie, launched his what? career, I, I would say, at least in the movies. Yeah. Because I, I mean, also he was in CB4, that, and that, that was like a bomb. That was a great but, movie. What are you talking about? It was a bomb. It was a bomb. <laughs> that's the. I mean, that's the thing. It, a lot of movies were bombs career. that aren't. There are. Oh, throw that on the on the retro rewind <laughs> when we're in like February and there's no good movies coming out because of the strike, uh, just delaying everything. We have to do a CB four episode. I don't even know if we get away with that, but that movie's awesome. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Dis- agree to disagree on that. I think, you know, with with Die Hard, like I just didn't get it after three. I just did not understand it. And then you had uh, Jai Courtney in there, who's who's a could have been like a, a really big name out there, but it just didn't catapult him like I would have thought it would have mm. uh, playing McLean's son. And yeah, I, I just didn't I really didn't get the whole vibe after that, because you try to like McLean through everything and he's kind of rough around the edges. Right. And then his son's there and then his daughter's there. And then, you know, like Holly's never there after uh, was Holly ever in them after two. Um, no. Well, okay. That's what I thought. I think she picked up the phone in with the vengeance. Yeah. But I, was it her? Was it actually her? Like I don't know a... if it was the same actress. I don't know if it was the same actress. Um, but yeah, after Lethal Weapon Two, though, uh, I was a no. Though, oh, man, um, there is there is definitely one, and I'll let you get to to Lethal Weapon. But if you don't call out 
one specific thing in that movie, one specific actor or actress, um, I'm gonna I might have to just call you out because there is one trump card you have not played having to do with Christmas. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. But uh for when when it comes to the the lethal weapon characters, uh I mean Gary Busey is just the ultimate badass in that movie. That scene where he ha- holds the lighter uh, or he has the light- lighter held under his arm and he's just like sitting there just showing how much of a badass special ops uh, or special forces guy that he really is. He is a stone cold killer. Gary Busey. And, yeah, Gary Busey. Same Gary Busey oh. that. Okay. What? That's what? Nothing. Gary Busey. You're not. You're saying that he was not a badass in that movie. Gary Busey has never been a badass in anything. Okay, in this movie. I'm I'm waiting for your argument here. Like, what are you talking about? It's he's Gary a Busey. badass in this movie. It's Gary Busey. Buddy Holly got into a fight. That's what happened. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right. Sure. I mean, whatever your your logic is on that. That would you say that this is? Would you say that this is the best Gary Busey performance? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it's his best. Uh, I would say it's probably his most intimidating. Do you like just like what I said? (laughs) Do you like Gary Busey better in Lethal Weapon or Point Break? Lethal Weapon, because he's a Lethal. badass. He's not just like some goofy-ass FBI agent. Lethal Weapon or Under Siege? Uh, I would say Lethal Weapon, because he's a badass in that. And he's I, think not... in, I, th- I would argue that in Under Siege, he's a more uh, maniacal killer. Mm, he, well, maybe, but at the same time, he's not freaking stone cold but also very much a chameleon because he's also trying to sleep with murtaugh's daughter so you you don't get a you don't I mean, see that on screen but at murtaugh's the same daughter time was trying to sleep with Riggs. okay but th- we're talking about gary That's busey he's so the hero <laughs> he's the hero no but I'm, I'm like you're you're talking about someone else i'm talking about the bad guys so he is so he's maniacal in his own way but he's also very stone cold calculated in what he's trying to do everything he's doing is super calculated uh and just to either show off his how stone cold he is um but also like he's not going to stop until the job's freaking done and yeah he's he's an awesome awesome henchman and and villain in that so freaking awesome who who has the probably one of the best fight scenes uh in in the entire 80s genre between Riggs and uh, oh my gosh, can't remember his freaking name in that, but uh, yeah, Joshua. it's like how yeah, how can you not, Mister Joshua? How can you not be able to say that that is like one of the most iconic fight scenes and action scenes in all the eighties? For sure, it's them. Absolutely. Where's I don't know. Joshua? The eighties has had some pretty iconic fight scenes. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's not. There's not other iconic fight scenes out there. I'm saying that is definitely one of them for sure. Different martial arts being used, 
the setting uh, with the the fire hydrant knocked over and everything, like yeah. And then the end scene where they they both shoot him, freaking awesome. But he is an absolutely memorable character. Now, I just have another. Uh, I'm going to go on to another character, but this has been also uh, talked about in different podcasts, different TV shows. Family Guy even did an exact replica of this scene. But then again, Family Guy's done that with everything. Mm-hmm. When um, they say, hit him, Endo. Of course, we're talking about Al Young. And he is just the ultimate, um, like, just a very, very cool uh, henchman. Like, he's going to be, like, the the other odd job uh, of, of this movie. So you have the other Stone Cold badass who ultimately falls to Martin Riggs because Martin Riggs was just ultimately like just a, a really hard ass of a character that could overcome pretty much anything. But yeah, you have him, uh, the jujitsu in the final scene. I mean, geez, I talked about the MMA stuff earlier in Horry and Gracie. Uh, another great thing about, um, the, the moments with those characters, but come on, what about the eighties gunplay? There was better eighties gunplay in lethal weapon because there was just more of it. I mean, how many times have you wanted to, or how many times did you think that you could shoot and roll around on the ground because Martin Riggs did it? McClane did that the whole movie. The whole movie. There were better actions. Which came first? Which came first? Yep, the answer is Lethal Weapon. Who did it first? Hang on, hang on. That's right, Lethal Weapon. Anybody in Lethal Weapon? The same guy who... Slingshot off of a roof? With a with a fire hose as the roof blew up and took out a helicopter. By far the best effects scene in either movie is the we're gonna need some more FBI guys scene. That's why uh, no. no no bigger explosions, no bigger moves, and then you're worried about McLean falling as he's trying to kick his way through the door and he's gotta shoot his way in. That's the thing. I'm not afraid of McLean falling. There's no, there's no like uh, climactic thing where I'm just like, he's going to die. Like, no, he's going to live at, at every single moment. But there's plenty of scenes in Lethal Weapon as to like, oh, I mean, for, for one, they think Riggs is dead at one point. Um, along with, I mean, when, when Murtaugh, I was thinking Murtaugh was absolutely dead when I first saw that movie. Even like the first couple times, like, how is he not dead? Because... That he's they're in such bad situations and dire situations, including his daughter, that it's just like, oh wow. And you know what? From the and we're kind of going away from the Christmas aspect of things, but I'm talking about like from the Christmas aspect of family. Yeah, they even bring the daughter into it to where it's like, oh my god, the stakes are even higher. No one gives a shit about any of those other people in Die Hard. Correct, like right. McLean's right. kids I mean, are on TV. You can't disagree with that. I'm not. I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about the people in the building. There's way more people in that building than two kids being harassed by uh, the reporters. I don't know, man. McLean saves all those people from the roof when they set it to blow. Yeah, but no it's one gave a shit about those other people. There, that there FBI no... guy sure didn't. Johnson and Johnson wanted to shoot them up like it was Nam. Perfect example as to why I'm I'm correct on that. There's no, there's nothing at stake for anyone else in that movie, with the exception of John and Holly. Like the, she didn't even have like a friend that would be like, oh, 
come on, Phyllis, let's get out of here. Let's like, no, that, that nothing like that. It's Dude, only McClain, only Holly. He was more than a friend. Who? The homeboy that bought her the Rolex. Oh, no, but no one cared about him. No one cared about him. John tried to save him. Yeah, but no one cared about him. I'm talking about the audience. When you're an audience uh, member and you're viewing Lethal Weapon, you care about Riggs, you care about Murtaugh and his family, right? You can even care about the the captain. And uh, it's just one of those things where for this movie, you care about more of the characters as opposed to just McClane, just Holly. So I think that's like from the family aspect of it, that's why I feel like, okay, cool. They They play off that Christmas element very nicely because it is all about family and connections mm. and they did a good job of introducing Murtaugh's kids you know they, they have that little fun dinner scene and they offer Riggs a, a tart and you know uh Nick starts to rap and it's just like it's it's really really cool or he beatboxes and the, the little girl raps so it's, it's really awesome it's you like the family you like that dynamic and you feel that there's truly something at stake when uh Rianne is kidnapped along with uh you know and, and held hostage along with Murtaugh. So there's there's stakes. I mean there's there's higher stakes for people that you care about in this movie, in my opinion. And I I I feel like you're gonna I'm not even gonna ask you if that's the case, uh, because you're just gonna say like, oh I don't know. But it is. It's one hundred percent. I think I think that you have this argument about family, but you're ignoring the most Christmas thing in all of Lethal Weapon. The most direct representation of Christmas in the entire movie, your argument is missing. Therefore, I call it null and void. This is the part of the podcast audience where I wait for him to say something of significance, and I'm going to continue to wait because he hasn't said it yet. Two words. So, two words represent Christmas more than anything that you've talked about concerning Lethal Weapon, and those two words are Darlene Love. I don't know who the fuck that is. So, Darlene Love, care. the person who plays Murtaugh's wife, kicks off her kicked off every single Christmas on the Letterman Show, singing uh, "A Baby, Please Come Home." the voice or one of the most famous voices of Christmas for the last 30 years you ignored completely. Therefore your arguments null and void. And I totes. Win. That's it's uh, your argument. So that's okay. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense just because I, I didn't know who that was. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily an argument. I don't need to Google everything as to what the, the Christmas uh, Christmas spirit is on this, but um, I did mention the fact that the family as a whole, because you said it was Murtaugh's wife. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah, I talked about the family as a whole. I don't know. I think well, whatever, man, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, another thing. With the overall like scenes of everything, I think uh, another great action point of this is um, and it's not even a shoot em up scene. It's that scene at the gun range where Riggs just completely not even one ups Murtaugh, but like 100 ups Murtaugh by sending that target back like 25 yards further and shoots in a perfect smiley face and just such a, 
a nice little nod to like how how much better he is at everything than Murtaugh. And Murtaugh is just not obsolete, but just outdated. You know, like that's just one of those things where uh, Riggs is the future. Murtaugh's close to retirement and he can still one up them for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the McLean smiley face on the dead guy in the elevator absolutely wins for me. Ho, ho, ho. Ah, he drew it on there. Riggs shot it into a target very, very far away. So McLean had to conserve ammunition. If he would have shot that, he wouldn't have had that last bullet at the end of the movie. I don't know, man. I think Riggs would have been able to take a majority of those guys out just very, very quickly compared to McLean. Uh, but this isn't a Riggs versus McLean type of thing because we, I think we know that Riggs would kick the shit out of McLean in multiple facets. No matter, you could pick air, land, sea, Riggs would be able to mop the floor with John McLean for sure. Now, McLean is probably more universally loved, um, but at the same time, I don't know, man. Martin Riggs, he's my cop. I want more cops like Martin Riggs. That's what <laughs> that's what I want. Have you ever you seen the, the deleted scene or in like you want the, the guy who goes up with the suicidal guy and jumps off the fucking building with him? Another great scene. Another great scene in comical. But it's it shows like how emotionally scarred this dude is that he's like, oh, you want to push me to the edge? No, fuck that. Let's just jump off the edge. Let's just go ahead and do it. You really want to die? Then let's just do it. And he does it, right? So uh, there's a he he's a time bomb, right? And you're just waiting for him to explode, and he does, but it's it's somewhat calculated because he knows that there's the mat that's there. Uh, but at the same time, we don't know as the audience that that it's there. So with with Riggs, uh, I don't know if I, I was going to ask you, have you ever seen the extended cut of Lethal Weapon? I'm not familiar with what the difference is, but there's so a there's chance. A, there's a scene with Riggs where we're first introduced to him and he he goes to a call of where there's a shooter at a school. He has uh, kids held hostage. And he's shooting out a window and uh, officer officers of have been down and Riggs just strolls up there, asks him how many how many shooters are there? And he just walks up. The shooter starts shooting at him, pulls out his Beretta, just fires up at the and he has he has the high ground. He has the advantage. It's over Anakin. But uh, no, Riggs just shoots up there and gets his guy. Everyone thinks he's freaking nuts, but he shoots him, kills him, has no regard for his own life, and then just leaves. That was a, a cool little first intro scene to to Riggs, and I didn't see that until like my twenties. Um, so it was it was a really nice addition as to like, wow, this guy really is messed up. This guy is freaking crazy, and I wish they would have kept that scene in for the theatrical cut. And I wish I would have seen that when I was younger. But yeah, he's a deep character, and I think with his journey throughout everything, you get to see a lot more variety as opposed to McLean. I don't know. I think you get to see the evolution of McLean, but you, there's an evolution of Riggs. But again, I think you're talking more more Christmas Carol versus It's a Wonderful Life. Both uh, um, universally loved over Christmas, but one, the retribution of man always will prevail. Well... Let's see if we can at least agree on the different categories of everything. So impact as 
a Christmas movie and the our 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 picks, who do you think has it in the action category? Die Hard. Examples. The the biggest pyro scene between the two movies. All of the gunplay on every level, multiple falls and swings, and just so much um, you know, from an effects perspective. Um, you know, if you want to talk about strictly combat, Lethal Weapon has a few, you know, one-up scenes because of the jujitsu focus. But overall, I, I think that that McLean takes down just as many bad guys. I and he gets to he gets to to uh you know not save some FBI agents too. So there's that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree at all. Like, I think action is very lopsided on this because there's more versatile action in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, you might have some pyrotechnics, uh, but at the same time, uh, if you have more CGI in a movie, does that mean that's it's a better action movie? Like, I would say no. Uh, now, I'm not saying pyrotechnics is the same as CGI, but mm-hmm. it's an added effect to make the grand scheme of that particular scene. I wouldn't say that's the action. I would say that's just enhancements to the scene. Uh, so I don't know. I, I disagree. You've got more more hand-to-hand combat. You have uh, more of gunplay. Uh, you have the... yeah. I mean, you have gunplay even just in casual settings. At the, the shooting range, at the pool, at the... Uh, in you the desert, to, like there's so many different things. There's snipers, you don't get to, everything. You don't get to call out the benefit because your movie takes place in multiple places, right? One movie takes place over the course of one night. The other one takes uh, Christmas Eve, by the way. The other one takes place over the course of multiple weeks. So, the in other words, the Christmas season. Uh, I mean, you can argue Christmas happens to be on the calendar. But people sell so cocaine all year round. But it happens over the Christmas season, correct? Mm-hmm. Part of the Christmas season is Christmas Eve, but Christmas Eve is all in one day. And then can't Christmas get a, being the next ladies day. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm just I saying. can't get a good answer out of this guy. I can't get a yes or no answer out of this guy. Oh my gosh, so frustrating. All right, uh, what about the humor aspects? What about the humor aspects? Oh man, that you, you got to argue that that there's so many quotable lines from Die Hard that mm-hmm. that I can't I can't give it to Lethal Weapon. I can't go on to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. Like all of these great quotes from Die Hard that just live in my brain. Is that is that humor though? In the scene where he's in the the vent. And he turns on the lighter because that's the only way he could see. And he's just like, come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. It's great. Yeah, it's it's humor. It's him being just absolutely pissed off. And and just, yeah, I think it's a great sarcastic humor. No, but I'm saying like, just if it's quotable, doesn't it doesn't mean it's humor. What's the most quotable line from both movies? I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say what that is. Yeah, because I want to save that for because it's for, because yeah. it's both funny and the most quotable line from both movies. Sure, but just because it's, uh, I mean, I'll be back from Terminator. Is that is that humor? I don't know. 
I no, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's humor. I think that's just a, I think that's just a, a quotable line. But the origin of, of that line is because he calls him Roy Rogers. I guess I'm, it's so funny that I'm not laughing. I don't know. I just don't, uh, th- I'm talking about the humor overall. Uh, my point is, is that just because it's quotable doesn't mean it's humor. So what you're saying that Die Hard is still a better use of humor? I think all of the Carl Winslow scenes are hilarious too. When they open and they make fun of him for the for the for the the Twinkies and and they get in all I, I think that there's just as many elements of humor. The Mel Gibson weirdness is is a thing. I would say that there's an equal level. I'll give you an equal level. Because mm. both are action movies, they're not comedies. Oh, what? I, I I don't think that that's the case. Like, I think there there's definitely a higher degree of humor and comedy in Lethal Weapon. The hence, I mean, there's a whole genre based off of Lethal Weapon, which is a buddy cop movie. And how do you how do you become buddy cop? It's not just with action; it's absolutely with humor. So there's definitely more humor in in Lethal Weapon. There's humor the in there's humor in Die Hard for sure, absolutely, and it's great humor. But I don't think that holds by a volume to... by volume. Lethal Weapon. Okay, all right. I I won't go into the nuances as to like what's funnier, but yeah, I would I would say that that would be the case too. Okay, uh, music. So we go into music. What what do you think about the the aspects of the music? I think we might have differing opinions on this. Yeah, I I I don't think. I don't think that there's any music that is core to either movie or that, that <laughs> I, I don't, Christ. I just don't. So I think uh, from a sheer Christmas aspect, Die Hard is going to take that. Right. Yeah. But when it comes to the cinematic aspect of it, you've got Riggs's own theme and you've got Murtaugh's own theme with like the saxophone playing, which has become iconic throughout all the other movies. And that was one of the very first uh, movies that I saw that I really noticed uh, like, oh, they're always going to play this song or this theme music when this character comes on and vice versa. And then I started picking up more of that throughout Star Wars um, and, and like a whole bunch of other movies like Back to the Future, stuff like that, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is that character's theme. And so yeah. I started to pick that up more and I appreciate it more in, in Die Hard. I just didn't get I liked all the different Christmas music, right? Because it's it's a Christmas theme movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was just like, yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it really adds anything to it. I think it's just like a cool Christmas song that's playing. I think the me personally, I think the music goes to uh, Lethal Weapon just because of the fact that there's diversity in the themes and it's also building those characters and setting the stage for the bad guys and their theme, Riggs and his theme, Murtaugh is his theme, and then they all kind of blend together pretty pretty perfect in my opinion uh by the end of the movie because now you get the concept of like oh yeah they are different people but they have different styles and and this is why uh it's it's just like a nice juggling act for everything i don't know that you can argue i don't know that it's a fair comparison to to judge like director choices which you know how much scoring you add to a movie is absolutely a director's choice right and who you use for 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 that kind of thing 
I think that you can judge quality of Christmas movie between the two. And we've already argued that to, you know, whatever, however you want to judge it. Um, I just don't think Die Hard was that movie where you got, where you had to develop characters. They were very face value, you know, in a, in a way. Right. That's that's my point, though, too, like going back to some of those those uh, characters where like you care about Holly, you care about uh, McLean. But um, and and for that movie, that is something that is perfectly fine. Yeah, because just there's just so many people at this Christmas party. But yeah. I think like if, if that was made today, you would see like those sub characters fleshed out more. And so that that's my only thing that I would say is like, oh, yeah, you care for. McLean, you care for Holly just because you know he's a good guy going uh you know trying to protect his wife. Everyone else can get fucking shot for all I care. It doesn't matter because uh, there's no screen time for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. Um even uh God, what what is the what is uh the Rolex dude's name? I cannot remember. Alice, is that it? Alice. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, I disagree with you on that if you made that movie now that 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 the characters would be more fleshed out uh i i absolutely disagree and well, i they would they did though they did though they they remade that with uh the rock where and they didn't do character development beyond the kids and the wife they didn't go but, deep into all these characters which is still 100 percent more character development than uh they did with with mclean's kids in in die hard well that's because that more development for the there. the kid <laughs> was part of the the hostage situation yeah i'm just saying that that's what they did though it's like they could have had the kid off screen but at the same time it's like they they everything now for hollywood is like okay we need to have more than just the bad guy and just the good guy you know that's that's what uh i think is the difference in that i'm not saying it's wrong for doing so uh it's just a very different dynamic of characters for that but you're you're going back to like the um so like the director's choice Richard Donner, um R.I.P. Um, he has I mean he's touched so many different movies and mm-hmm. a lot of them hits like uh, just really really good stuff for for um for everything I mean you got Superman you got the Lethal Weapon series uh, and I believe if I'm not mistaken Lethal Weapon will be directed by Mel Gibson because Donner was saying that if I'm not around, you need to direct this. And so I, I believe that that is still happening. But um, the weapon five. Yeah, it, it I don't know if it's in production or not. Is it? I know that it's been I think it's in production in the sense that it's like there's scripts being written. But yeah, so you, you got uh for for Die Hard, you got John McTiernan, who's made like a ton of action movies. Mm-hmm. Some of them very near and dear to, to my heart as well. Uh, but what would you say was like the better directed movie? That's I mean. Art subjective, I, I don't think that you can you can argue that I think that you had more raw actors in in in, in, i don't know i don't know it's it's two completely different circumstances because what did mel gibson do before the original lethal weapon what had he done he did a lot of what i mean he was in tv and he was in like uh mad max uh the road warrior stuff like that yeah and, and i think you could say the same thing for bruce willis that he wasn't in much um 
beforehand. Same thing with um um why can't I pull his name? Glover, Sandy Glover. Well, same thing with Glover and Rickman. Like they hadn't been in in Glover, I thought was in more. I mean, he he was in more. Th- I mean, granted, uh, Willis was not in a lot of movies. I think he may have been in like Blind Date, and that was it, movie wise. I could be wrong, but I, I don't want to go down like a wormhole of his like his IMDb. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, there definitely was more acting credits to Mel Gibson and. Uh, or at least cinematic credits to Mel Gibson and uh, Danny Glover's names for sure. Yeah, I thought so. So, I mean, one went in with um, a little bit more of a, an experienced cast, and one had a little bit of a raw cast. And I think that the, I mean, you you arguably, Dick Donner for his villain had an Oscar nominated actor, whereas. Most of the villains, other than um, other than Gruber in Die Hard, were like, I don't even were they extras. Like, I don't even know where they got these dudes. They got the the ultimate extra in 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 um, in your boy, but um, I, I I don't know that that they had much to work with there, right? Who's the Who's the Oscar winner? Oscar nominee. Oh, who's the nominee? Gary Busey. Prior to Lethal Weapon? Yeah, Buddy Holly. Never watched it, so. Yeah, 1978, the Buddy Holly story. Okay. Then he got a little bit of fame and a little bit of money and lost all his teeth and went crazy. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say he went crazy. He had brain damage, so I think there's a difference between going crazy and having brain damage. But that's I mean, the reason a- that I think that's the reason why you might think that Gary, B, you gave me that, that look earlier, like Gary Busey, really like he, the guy had severe brain damage. He was in like a very bad accident. And that's the why, that's why he kind of is the way he is. Oh, in 88. Okay. Hmm. Where are your helmets kids? I think we, I think we need to wrap this up because, uh, just like our, the name of our podcast, I know I can do this all day, and I'm pretty sure you can too. I think the only way for this to be resolved is just watch both of these movies. They're both great movies. Uh, but before we go, I want to ask the audience one question. Audience, when it comes to Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, can you do this all day? Because I know we can. Until next time. This is Dan, the part-time adventure. That's Mark, the resident Jedi. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. Merry Christmas. I'm too old for this shit.